offer a powerful couple of lessons as we learn some things that I'm sure have bothered us all at some point. So please get out your Bible and let's join Pastor David. We have been in a series called White Lies, okay? For a while, we've been walking through the lies that the culture spreads, lies that are sometimes finding their way into people, who are Christians, who start to believe these things and start to get pulled away from the scriptures, from the truth, from the truth of the universe, Jesus Christ, and they get pulled into something else. So we've been dealing with those for a while. We have most recently been dealing with progressive Christians. This is not a political term, not a political term. When we say progressive Christians, we're talking about people who have rejected some of the most basic truths of reality about who God is, about who we are, about what the scriptures are, about what the scriptures say, and so on and so on. They've rejected some of these things. And there are a number of people turning from the truth to follow these lies. What we need to understand is that it's not just the lies that are drawing them. Sometimes it's the way that we are acting in the church that is pushing them. There are a lot of people leaving fellowship right now. People are walking away from truth. There are a lot of reasons why people aren't connecting with the church, okay? The statistic that hit me the hardest as I was researching this sermon is this. In December of 2019, the Barna Group did a survey, okay? And this survey was of a number of people, but one of the groups was practicing Christians. Practicing Christians. And this is what they asked, okay? This is what they asked. This was December of 2019. This is pre-pandemic, whatever. They asked this. When was the last time you attended a Christian church service other than for a holiday service such as Christmas or Easter or for special events such as a wedding or funeral. 79% of practicing Christians replied they had been to a church service in the past week. 21% had been in the past month, okay? 100% of practicing Christians had been to church at least once in the last month at the end of 2019. It's kind of what it means to be a practicing Christian, one of those things. It's kind of one of those things about it. But here's, here's where things get a little hairy. In September of 2020, okay, a few months ago, roughly nine months later than this survey that I just read you, and six months into the coronavirus pandemic, the Barna Group did another survey. This time they asked this question of practicing Christians. During the COVID-19 pandemic, on average, how often have you attended a church worship service, either in person or digitally, okay, in person or online, how often? This time, 51% said weekly, 13% said two or three times a month. 9% said one time a month. 3% said once every two to three months. 4% said I've gone once or twice. And 19% said never. I have not been to a church service in person or online since the beginning of this thing for six months. Now remember, at the end of 2019, a mere nine months before, there was not a single practicing Christian who had not been to church at least once in the last month. And by far most of them, 79% had been the last week. Six months into the pandemic, almost one in five said they have not one time gone to church. It's pretty serious. It's a pretty serious thing. It should be pretty sobering for you to recognize that. A lot of churches, this is not true of us. Praise God. Our church, not only are people coming back and still attending those who can't be here online, but the church is growing, and I praise God for it. But there are a lot of churches who are struggling. There are a lot of churches who, after the pandemic, have found themselves at a a percentage of the number of people who had been faithfully attending before that. People are leaving. People are getting out of the habit. 
and they're not coming back. Now, we pray they will. We pray they will. But we need to understand that we have something to do here. Okay? We've seen a, a trend in this country for a while that has been heartbreaking. People leaving the church, people leaving fellowship, people leaving the body of Christ for a number of reasons. Here are some of the reasons why people may be leaving, according to some Christian bloggers and writers. Okay? I'm not endorsing these reasons or saying that this is why people are leaving. I'm just saying this is what people are thinking, why people are leaving. Some of these may be true, some of them may not be true, and others are actually things that we should be doing, and people just don't like them, so they leave. Okay? So, one, the church is focused too much on getting people in the door and not enough time discipling them. Let's get them here. Let's get them here. And my, and my question is, for what? If, you're not gonna, if we're not going to be about this, I can tell you this. Look, I've got nothing for you. Me. Okay? If it's not the Scripture, don't bother. And if you ever start coming here and I don't talk about this, you can just not bother. Okay? Or at least come to me and say, hey, you might want to start talking about the Scripture because, well, we like you. You're not better than that, okay? But that's the problem. Get them in the door, but don't equip them. Don't equip them, right? More about kind of the skinny jeans and the, the show, whatever it is. I just It happens. It does not happen here, praise God, but it happens, okay? I'm kidding. You can wear skinny jeans. I don't care that much. Um, but, but some churches have gotten so focused on the gathering and they've lost track of the equipping, the discipling, right? We're to make disciples, not attenders. Not attenders, okay? This isn't a show. This is, we're family. This is our family here, okay? This is not a show. All right. Two, the church has not created the kind of community that people need to thrive as Christ followers. People do not feel loved, so they leave. They don't feel connected to the body of Christ, so they leave. Listen, that's a two-way street. That's the church providing the opportunities, and that's the person responding to those opportunities. Maybe some churches aren't giving those opportunities. There are people sitting here who have probably felt that they had to go from a different church because that church was not accepting them, was not bringing them in, was not making them a part of the body of Christ, was not giving them an opportunity to serve. Number three. People have focused too much on ideology and political interest instead of theology and biblical teaching. Look, I know some of you are political. See in your Facebook, okay? <laughs> Clean that stuff up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Clean that stuff up. But when you come here on a Sunday morning, we're primarily talking about this. I'm not saying it has nothing to do with the rest of that, but some churches have gotten lost super focused on ideology and not focused. Again, you're going to see a theme, not focused here. When we don't focus here, people lose interest. Once again, if it's just us, we don't have anything. If it's God, we have something to say. Four, people have focused too much on Christian feelings rather than Christian teaching. Look, be careful about teaching your kids to try to feel like the Lord is in their life or like the Lord is helping them or whatever. I'm not saying you can't feel that. Okay, I feel the Lord. But you know what sometimes? Sometimes I don't. You know what I need then? What's already here, what's already here. And, it comes, and then that, that's how I get back to knowing the Lord. Sometimes you don't feel it. You remember the old footprints thing and I was carrying you, that type of thing? That's real, okay? It might be a little cheesy these days, but it's, it's a real thing. It's a powerful idea. You gotta know. If we focus on, hey, just feel it, 
What are you going to do when you don't feel it? Well, I guess it wasn't real. Look, <laughs> it's real, okay? There are a lot of things that you don't feel that are real. I'm not saying we shouldn't focus on feeling close to the Lord. It is a relationship. I'm just saying that without the scripture, without the teaching, without being solid, without knowing what you believe, is just not going to help you, especially a young person who leaves home, goes to college. They can get all kinds of feelings. There's a lot of feelings out there. Some of them feel pretty good for a while. We can't focus on that. Number five, the church has not treated people like they are intelligent and taken their questions seriously. A lot of people, a lot of churches, a lot of places treat doubts like they don't matter. Treat people like they're not smart. Let me give you another teaching. Three ways to be a more effective chiropractor, whatever, right? Super practical, I guess if you're a chiropractor. There's probably not a sermon like that, okay? I'm, I'm, I would hope. Maybe there's a church of chiropractors. I don't know. They need the Lord, so. In any case, <laughs> kidding. Don't leave. Don't leave, sir. No, I'm just kidding. We've got to be careful that we treat people like they're smart. God says they're made in his image and likeness. They are smart. That means we don't put everything, all the cookies on the bottom shelf. We talk about the scripture. We explain it the best that we can so that we can all grow and learn. Some churches, apparently, according to this person, are not doing that. And this is especially going to affect kids. If you treat kids like, don't ask that question, you don't need to know. Just feel better about Jesus. And they go to college, and the first atheist, pseudo-intellectual professor is like, well, have you ever thought about this? And like, no, they didn't talk to me about thinking. They didn't teach me how to think. I was in church every week for 18 years of my life. A lot of pizza parties, right? A lot of fun, a lot of good stuff, a lot of singing, but they didn't teach me how to think. They didn't treat me like I was smart. We can't do that. Number six, too much fear of the world and not enough biblical addressing of the real issues people are facing. This goes to things like a movie comes out and it's like, don't, stay away from that. Stay away from it. Don't touch. Don't, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. It's all super bad. And we kind of cloister ourselves in this little thing and we separate ourselves from the world. We build this little wall. Your kids get out. Guess what? They're going to get outside the wall. Someday, they got to go and get a job. And somebody's going to say a, a cuss word. <laughs> Your kid's going to be like, ah! <laughs> And they're going to be like, boop, 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 because they did not get what they needed to get. We got to deal with reality. We know who we are. We don't have to be afraid of the world. We don't have to be afraid of other religions. Oh, don't talk about that. Talk about it. What do you got to say? Let's do this. Okay? All right. Don't talk about it right now. Listen to me. <laughs> Number seven. Too much focus on the exclusivity of Jesus, the exclusivity of Christianity. Okay? So some people are leaving because they say they cannot deal with the fact that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Now, I'm bummed that people leave because of that, but here's what I have to say. Deal with it. All right. It's true. I've talked about it. I've explained why, hopefully in a loving way that you can understand. A few sermons back and then probably 15 times in the last several years have I explained why there's only one way. 
and why that's true of everything. There's only one truth for everything. Okay? All right. Next, because they felt hurt by the church. People hurt people sometimes. It happens in the church too. Look for reconciliation if this has happened to you. Or look for a local body of Christians that will help you heal. But do not let someone else's sin and hurting you keep you from the life Jesus Christ has for you as part of his body. That's nuts. Yes, there are bad people in the church. There are. There are sinners in the church. There are people who can harm you. We do our best as the elders of this church to look out for that and to protect people. But there are times when people say something or do something that hurts somebody. That's not Jesus who did that. That's a person who's gone off, who's gone away from what Christ has for us. Don't let that keep you from being part of the body of Christ. If you're a Christ follower, you have a, a place in the body of Christ. If you don't, maybe you're an eyeball. If you're not in the body of Christ, you're just an eyeball sitting there off to the thing. It's gross, okay? <laughs> it's much more reasonable when it's in the head, okay? You're part of the body. You need to be. Don't leave because of that. Number nine, the church's beliefs about sexuality, okay? I've dealt with this. Why we believe what the scripture says about that, why God has set up one context for sexual life. It's really good, okay? But it's one context. Outside of that, God says no, because he knows. I know it's hard for some people. I know it's difficult, but you got to deal with it. Number 10, judgmentalism and legalism. Judgmentalism and legalism. Now, Sometimes people leave and they say these are the things. I have my doubts and they wouldn't answer me, whatever it is. But sometimes it's not because their doubts weren't answered uh, or because the church has failed them or hurt them or whatever, but because they desire to do what they want to do and live life their own way. So let's be fair. There are some people who these are just excuses for. However, however, there are some people who really have experienced these things. We all have to be vigilant about not trying to go our own way, not rejecting what the Scriptures say, because these things that the Scripture kind of comes up against us, right? It's like, I like to do this, so I can't do that. Oh, my goodness. You know, it's tough for all of us. We all have to be vigilant that we don't walk away from the truth in search of our own pleasure. That's true. But there are people who are seeking. There are people who, if we're honest, don't want to hear the truth because they don't want to live by the truth. But there are people who do want to hear the truth, and it gets mixed up with some of these other things. For those people, it's our job to teach the truth. It's our job to live the truth, to follow Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Now, all of those reasons, the one that I've heard over and over for honestly probably my whole life has been a problem for thousands of years among religious people. And that's judgmentalism and legalism. And so that's something that we can. We can't change what the scripture says. So exclusivity, God's design for sexuality. We're not going to change what the scripture says about those. We can try not to hurt people. We can try to teach people where we can do all that. But one thing that we can do is we can stay away from judgmentalism and legalism. Okay? Now, let's define these terms so we're clear about what we're talking about. It's judging people outside your jurisdiction or judging someone within your jurisdiction and being unloving and overly harsh in doing it. Okay. I just used another legal term. Here we go, legal talk. Jurisdiction. It's a Latin term. It's a combination of two words, speak and law. Okay, uh, Juris is law, diction is speak. 
A person or an institution who has jurisdiction means they have the authority to speak the law or to say what the law is. If you want to see a form, a particularly harsh form of jurisdiction, watch a two-year-old with her toys, okay? A two-year-old has jurisdiction over her toys. She gets to say, she gets to speak the law as to who can play with this toy and when and things like that, right? Because it's her toy. Now, here's the test. Have another two-year-old go over and pick up one of those toys, even one that she hasn't thought about today or since she got it, but it's hers. That other two-year-old goes up and picks up that toy, you're going to see jurisdiction <laughs> in action, right? That's what's going to happen. This little girl is going to speak the law clearly and concisely, and possibly there's going to be some corporal punishment <laughs> involved with that, you know. Give me my toy back. That's my toy. Jurisdiction, okay? So we learn it early that we have a certain amount of jurisdiction and we can use it well or we can use it poorly. This also applies, I've noticed, to men in their cars and to women and their Vitamix blenders. I've noticed that. <laughs> it's just my experience. I'm sure it applies to some women in their cars and men in their Vitamix blenders. I'm just telling you my experience, okay? <laughs> jurisdiction, baby. He'll come to get you. Here's the point. God has given each of us certain jurisdictions in life. You have, for instance, jurisdiction over your spouse. Did you know that? Husbands and wives out here, you all have a jurisdiction over each other. If you doubt me, do this test. Tell your spouse you're going to do whatever you feel like doing, and they don't have any say about anything that you do, and see how he or she reacts. I am available for counseling this week for those who try that. <laughs> Not going to work very well, I promise. You have jurisdiction over your children. It's your job to speak the law as your children. If you don't, what's going to happen? They're going to be running around in the street. They're going to be causing all kinds of trouble, become Oregon Duck fans, or any other kind of delinquent. <laughs> Look, it starts at home, okay? <laughs> but you have jurisdiction over your kids, right? There are many areas of life where you have jurisdiction, and there are some where you do not. 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. Okay, this is what's going on in this context is Samuel's come. He's going to anoint a new king, okay? Saul has been a hot mess. Here we go. We're going to anoint a new king. So he goes to Jesse. Jesse's got all these kids. Jesse, apparently back then there was no television, so he had a lot of kids. So all these, all these boys. So he starts bringing them out. The first one comes out. It's like, oh, this has got to be the guy. He's been, you know, just a really good looking big guy, whatever. He's like, oh, that's the guy. Um, and, and this is what God says to him, right? The Lord says to him, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see man, the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. You cannot see the heart of another person. And so you cannot judge the heart of another person. Why? It's not your jurisdiction. It's not. You can't judge, for instance, whether someone is saved because it's God who does that work and knows the hearts of man. Now, you can see someone's fruit and go, it sure doesn't look like it, right? That can happen. But ultimately, that judgment is God's. Why? Because they belong to God or not. It's about him. It's not about you. You don't have jurisdiction. You won't want to miss our next episode when Pastor David continues to help us understand this important topic. 
And let me once again invite you to join us here at Axe Church this Sunday morning. Easy directions and all the info you need are just a click away at axechurchnw.org. We'd love to see you this Sunday. Thanks for being here, and we'll look for you next time for more on judgmentalism and legalism here on Contemplate.